What's up, hot girls? I'm your host, Ebony Ellinger, and today is a little bit of a shortened episode today. It's just me. I got vaccinated and I went to go visit my other vaccinated family members, and it has been such a blast being able to meet them, and I've never met them before. They were my cousins, extended cousins. Some of them were famous famous trombone players, famous, uh, I don't know, famous instrument players, (laughs) Um, played with Louis Armstrong, and some have written books, some wrote for the New York Times. It has been an amazing transformative journey, getting a chance to learn all these things about my family. I learned that my great times five uncle was a U.S. consul to Haiti, used to write letters to Frederick Douglass, like, Wow. Wow. And so I've been off doing that. I just got back, but I wanted to make sure I dropped an episode on time. And we'll be talking with Shay Dior. And Shay Dior is a drag performer and they run a drag house specifically for Asians up in Canada. And their story is just so amazing. I'm so excited to show you that. But what I am saying is that once everyone else gets vaccinated, Y'all, I'm going to turn up. Like, okay, I am not much of a party girl. I I can't, I told you before, I'm not much of a dancer. And I go to clubs and I'm that person that gets themselves a nice soda and just watches the crowd. But maybe, and this has been a very bleak experience year for all of us in so many different ways. And there are so many ways that we can grow from that. And maybe. This is something that I can grow from. I needed to be shut in inside the entire time so that I can go ahead and dance on tables and get wasted on, I don't know, Natty Light. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not that trashy. But I am just so excited to see other people getting vaccinated, to see the lives being changed and saved and for y'all to go out and experience new things and grow as well and to have all these opportunities now to go out and socialize and meet new people and have so much fun. And now I need for y'all to get COVID vaccines so that you can take me back to the streets. I am here with my pad thai lunch today. And that is the last meal I will eat in this house because after this, I now have moved. I belong. I live on the streets. And that will be my life. My 2022 partying up, living life to the fullest life. No longer being afraid of my friends or family or old people I don't know about getting COVID and having to wash my hands and wear masks all the time. Well, I'm still going to wash my hands, Um, but wear masks all the time and never eat in restaurants and all these other stuff. No hugs kind of life. I'm going to drop that and I'm going to live it up in 2022 or maybe the end of 2021. It all comes down to y'all. How how much do you care about me? That is the question. If you care about me, you will do this. Do it for Ebony. And when you go and book a vaccine and go all in and the doctor says, hey, who are you doing this for? I want for you to say, Ebony Ellinger, I'm doing it for her so that she can finally break out of her shell and live life to the fullest. Thank you. And thank you all for your sacrifice. It And it just feels like the opportunities are endless. Maybe I will eat in a restaurant by myself. Never did that before. I thought it was corny. But now I'm going to do, I'm going to go to 
Applebee's and eat uh, their two for 10 appetizers and lunch meal by myself. That's so badass, right? Right. I, I need for y'all to support me in this. And I will maybe make out with somebody in a bar or I will. Uh, I don't know. There's so many things that are just on my mind, things I'm so excited to start doing. I'm excited to go to the mall and shop and just I have all of these outfits planned in my head. But of course, there's no reason for me to be buying clothes just for me to look cute at home. Well, actually, there's always a reason to be buying clothes. Just buy clothes so you can look cute. But so first of all, riddle me this. Who else has an amazing fashion sense but doesn't got the money for the fashion sense? Like, y'all, my Pinterest board fits are fire. Just wait till I get like $100,000 and I will be all over the gram. Just wait. Y'all will look to me for fashion advice. I just need to win the lottery. As soon as that happens, it will pop off. And so what I'm saying is, is I need to start playing the lottery so that I can really live my life. I think I just need money. Maybe I don't actually want to work. I think I would be happy being married, no kids, none of that. Just be married and then he, she, they can go work. And then I can just live off the money and never have to see them. I, I feel like that is what my true purpose in life is. A housewife without the wife part. And just a really big house. And then I could travel, I could write and make art and make music. Yeah. But how do you pursue that though? Maybe I have to marry an astronaut or something so they're in space most of the time. Marry an athlete to, and then just live in another city. I don't know. Y'all DM, tell me how I can get the housewife life without the wife part. Because that is on my bucket list. I just want money. Like fame is great, yeah. But I really just want money. So I don't so I want to be able to go to Starbucks and buy the biggest frappuccino and not have to check my bank account. Y'all, I want to be able to get avocado on my burritos and not be guilty that I had to spend that extra $1. That is all. I'm a simple person. I don't need Birkin bags or Corvettes or the fancy cars. I just want money for Starbucks and maybe I could buy myself some Air Force Ones, new and not used. See, this is what being humble is like. I'm a humble person, a very humble person. And also, speaking though of Birkin bags, Saweetie, I have been paying attention to the news. Saweetie, I was reading that she and Quavo broke up, uh, that she and Quavo broke up and because he cheated on her. And I read all his tweets and why, why do you, why do men, why are men, hmm, like, sweetie is gorgeous, first of all, she's gorgeous, girl, you can come hit me up, I know that you're single, let me slide in your DMs, but Quavo though, just this whole Oh, you're not the woman I thought you was. Miss me. Miss me. Sweetie, you are free now. I know you talked about him buying you Birkin bags, but you can go buy yourself a Birkin bags. We can all live that city girl lifestyle and still be single. 
that is going to be a hot girl tip. Live the city girl lifestyle. Spoil yourself. You can have the man. You can rob him, sis, whatever. I'm going to do that. Maybe I should write that down in my own book of stuff to do. And moving on to a more serious topic, I, as I said, have been paying attention to the news. Right before I left, there was the Atlanta shootings and it destroyed me. It hurt me in so many ways. And even then, that's just me. I know as a black person how it felt to see all those shootings that have happened and targeted us and continue to target us. And I can truly empathize with how the Asian community is feeling, how my Asian friends are feeling. And I, if y'all are listening to this, my heart goes out to you. I'm so sorry. And I made a post about it, but I felt as if the heart in it was not really being seen. And so I thought I might talk about what I was going to say on Instagram, but say that here. Ultimately, my heart is just heavy in a multitude of ways. And they say, they say it is not a hate crime what happened in Atlanta. But frankly, that's bullshit. Fucking bullshit. For a white man to target Asian women because of his own personal issues is so common in this country. Women but specifically Asian women, do not exist to placate men's insecurities. Asian women do not exist to soothe young white men's insecurities or problems. We have seen mass shootings of various groups of people of color and shootings targeting women across this country. And it is a growing, growing racist and sexist problem. Many see white supremacy as just the KKK, but it still exists in smaller, less noticeable ways. It's not just the KKK. And first of all, the KKK highly targets Black people and Jewish people. We don't see the racism that affects Asians on a larger scale. We don't see it talked about in the news. Where is their stories? Where are their voices? Why are we just hearing about this now? And I don't mean we, because I've been new. I've been knowing about this. But why are many other people just hearing about this now? Why wasn't this in the news? Why wasn't it all over people's Instagrams and Facebook pages, etc.? That is because we live in a country that deems it okay to erase Asian issues, to erase their voices. And we need to add Asians into our discussions about racism. We need to add Asians into anti-racism and make sure that the white supremacy that lives throughout this country is not going to win in erasing them or setting Asians up against other POC. We're not going to be a divide and conquer here. Asians are not punching bags. Women of all races, but specifically Asian, do not exist to soothe male insecurities. This country needs to stop Asian hate and it needs to stop killing Asian women. I am just furious, and I hope everyone listening to this is furious with how instantly they wanted to say it's just a bad day. My bad day is eating ice cream and watching Titanic. That's a bad day for me. Never in a million years will you ever see me bring out a gun and shoot up a massage parlor. I have my own insecurities. There are people who struggle with addictions all over this country, and never will they ever pick up a gun and shoot people. We need to build up a mental health infrastructure. We need to talk about the entitlement to women's bodies. We need to talk about how this shooting and the 
Isla Vista Santa Barbara massacre of men choosing to slaughter women whose bodily autonomy is somehow a threat. Like the mere fact that women are human beings and not sex toys is somehow a problem in this country. Somehow. And I need everyone listening to this to spread words, to use their hearts, to use their voices, to uplift and support. It is the only way we are going to stop Asian hate in this country. And I also need for, I'm going to call y'all out too. This is my podcast. I'm going to call y'all out too. People who are sitting here trying to use this as a moment to be anti-Black, y'all need to shut up. People using this as a moment to be anti-Asian, y'all also need to shut up. This is not a time to pit us against each other. Don't come for Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter had nothing to do with this. This is talking about Asian people. Don't bring up Black people. This is about Asian people and how we can support them. Let's stay on freaking topic. But I'm popping off now. I'm going to chill and relax. And so we're going to move on to the interview portion with Shay Dior. We recorded it about maybe two, three weeks ago. And so I'm finally excited to have y'all listen to this. And we're going to take a break and I will see y'all on the other side. We are back from the break, and I am here with Shay Dior. So tell us, who are you, Shay Dior? Give us an intro to your life. Uh, um, I am an androgynous drag performer, um, a big advocate for queer Asian representation and visibility in Vancouver and in Canada. Um, I am the mother of the House of Rice, an all-Asian drag family here in Vancouver. And I also found am the founder and co-producer of Rice Cake, a queer Asian dance party, which would be happening right now, except, you know, COVID, the panorama panini going on. (laughs) The pandolce ruined everything for us this year. Well, hopefully it's just the beginning of the year. But 2022, we already know we are turning up and partying and dancing and maybe we'll be dancing with you. And so tell me what got you, or I guess tell me why did you decide to make the House of Rice? It's funny because I feel like when I was in high school and like I was like queer and I thought because my experience was, wasn't was a lot of like bullying or anything. So I just was like, I don't want to get into um, activism. I don't need to get into activism. Like it's not my life, whatever. But then I like, as I grew up and I was going into my later years, I was like realizing that there's like so much misrepresentation or just invisible, like invisibility with queer Asians. Um, so I started performing in drag and then I had my first drag daughter made in China, um, who was reconnecting with her, um, Chinese culture through drag. Um, and it, reminded me to be unapologetically Asian. Um, And so we just started like amping each other up and motivating each other and inspiring each other to like kill these looks, kill these performances. And then seeing the lack of, um, yeah, just seeing the lack of like idols for people to be inspired by from the, like for queer Asians. I felt like I wanted to bring that and I wanted to be that. And I wanted to also teach others to be that as well. That's super important. And going through this experience, how did you also start to understand more about yourself, not just about your gender identity or sexuality or any of that, but just about who you are as a person trying to build a support network for other people? How did you learn to support yourself? I I feel like I've always been like pretty like grounded within myself and like pretty happy with myself, growing, like growing up and exploring 
a lot of times I think like as I'm trying to like give advice to my drag children and like trying to teach them to like open their minds and like think positively and like I also sometimes remind myself to take my own advice. <laughs> I like that. I think that's important, especially when we take on these leadership when we take on these leadership positions, it can be difficult that sometimes you are giving so much to other people that, as you were saying, you forget, let me just check on myself. Are you doing it? Like I asked her and her and her, but like, how, how do I feel focusing on the self-care with that aspect? And do you ever feel maybe a little overwhelmed trying to be this mentor? I mean, running a drag house is amazing. Does it feel isolating at times or have you found a lot of camaraderie with other people in that similar position? I wouldn't say overwhelming. Um, I just like, I think sometimes like I need to like double check by like prioritizing. <laughs> um, like I feel like in the past, during the COVID pandemic, like we've had two big projects and I was kind of taking on like a lot of the like organizing and making sure everyone like is like like we'll have their performances ready or we'll have like these parts of the the show ready and like their anecdotes and their like video pr like production like ready in time and stuff like that then it came to my like my live performance of it I was like oh I didn't focus as much on this as I did as organizing everyone else's <laughs> and I'm like wait but I need to still look good <laughs> um so like that I feel like at the same time I'm like it still makes me really happy to be helping everyone and making sure that everyone else looks really good because I'm like, I'd like, I feel like I've also had a lot more experience under my belt. So it's not like the end of the world. If I have like a little bit of a lesser like night for me when the whole show as a whole is like beautiful. So break it down for me. If I'm going to a house of rice event, what is all going on from start to finish behind the scenes and I guess, what is all going on from the moment of planning the event and all the thoughts and work that goes into it to us seeing the final product? These things, rice cake is like the party that I uh, produce and it's like a queer Asian dance party and it's uh, dance, like a lot of dancing. And then there'll be like a little drag show. It's just like kind of an exposure to drag for some people because a lot of queer Asians, I feel like going to a club night or like a gay club night or queer club night is like already out of the comfort zone. So drag might be too far of that comfort zone. So I, do, I don't want it to be the pure focus. Whereas the House of Rice is just an all drag family. So it's just, I made the house with in mind that like I wanted to make sure everyone was comfortable doing what they wanted to do. Um, so some people are really like excited to perform live. Some people have been more like just photos and just like being kind of like a look queen. Um, and some of them are more like to like go-go in drag and not actually like do the lip syncing part. Um, so there's like different styles of drag for them all. Um, so then the ones who do want to perform live will often be performing at Rice Cake at my party. But the House of Rice, it's, we are at 11 members now. <laughs> I have a lot of kids. <laughs> um, and the first time we actually had a show that incorporated all of us, it was funny because it was in June. And it was our COVID show, which was an online theater show where it was the first time all 11 of us were in one show together because scheduling is so hard for everyone. <laughs> but having everyone sending in videos where I perform myself and Made in China were performing in a theater live and using projection screens to incorporate um, their videos as part of our like one hour show, as part of our like one hour show. 
Um, and then we also had like the projectors like uh, with videos of us like telling our experiences or our feelings about our queer Asian identity or like racism that we faced or like our queer, our first like um, love experience or like just things that um, a lot of queer Asian people go through their journey. Um, so it was funny because it's like the one show that we're all together is the one show that we can't be together in. <laughs> and so we called it In Isolation. <laughs> I love that then, title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a queen of puns and I love. <laughs> um, and then at the end of the, the very end of it, I did a solo number or I started a solo number um, to Chosen Family by Rina Sawayama, who's a queer Japanese artist. Um, and then I had them all make videos of themselves eating rice at a table. So I compiled it so that they would all be on the projection screens as I'm like eating, like I'm like have inviting Maiden over to sit down with me and we're eating rice so that all of us were eating rice together as a family. That's beautiful. And so when it <laughs> comes to sort of passing the torch along and being that mentor for people, why do you think there is value in doing that and why do you think you i guess out of all the billions of people in the world are especially equipped to take on that position i don't i'm kidding okay <laughs> <laughs> i think it's just like the the like the want to do so whenever i see like a queer asian person who's like not living their life i it just i just want everyone to be able to like live a full like fulfilling life i'm 28 i came out to my mom when i was 18 and i just came out to my dad 10 years later because I couldn't I just couldn't growing up I just like his ex the way he reacted to anything I just did not see a positive experience and I just thought it would be better to just like not talk about it and I don't want that to stop other people but some people still live at home and I just think that it's hard for queer people of color in general I think just to like be able to be themselves and I don't know I just yeah <laughs> What are the some what are some of the things that go into starting up a house and what is recruitment like, especially trying to build a house specifically for queer Asian people? How how did you go about finding all the people who are your children? For me, I like one, I wanted no drama. <laughs> I like I'm not about that. Um, or uh, a lot of the children I have, I like saw them perform or had met them and for me, I'm a very vibe-based person. It's hugely on like just the aura and like if I feel a connection and I feel if like the connection fits right with the rest of the family, then I will like go up to them and ask them to either have lunch or have dinner and then talk over some food because food is always lovely. <laughs> and I think that's for me the best time to like really gauge like a person's like what they want like I think for me now like a part like a big part of me is like of my mentorship is I will provide the opportunities if I see an opportunity that fits I will provide the opportunities I won't force anyone to do anything um but I will be there to like help in any way I can but I also won't like bug and nag about like like why aren't you doing this or why aren't you doing that or anything like that 
why is it important that non-queer and non-gender queer people get to see House of Rice and get to see Rice Cake, even if it's not made for those groups? Why is that visibility important? It's important for them to see the House of Rice and for me, queer Asian artists, because a lot of times they like we are overlooked. Even after I started Rice Cake and the House of Rice and stuff like before I was one of the only Asian drag performers in Vancouver in a city that's like 50% Asian. It was very weird that when I moved here, there was not a lot of Asian performers and I became one of maybe, I think three, which is crazy because now I have 10 like under my belt. (laughs) Um, And that's only in like three years or something. So it's just important to like, for them to see that there is talent and there is drive in queer people of color as well. For Rice Cake, it's so important that I just cast like queer Asian artists who aren't getting a lot of opportunities elsewhere or who aren't comfortable to explore the more mainstream like venues and parties. Why do you think we don't see a lot of queer Asian people in this space running drag houses, participating in drag, especially in Vancouver, where you you said the the city was 50 percent Asian and you were the only one? A lot of traditional upbringing just like suppresses a lot of these like feelings or these ideas. And then like if they're already embarrassed or like unsure of their own identity, then they're not a lot of times not willing to explore that or only willing to explore as much as they know. And I feel like if like queer Asians already aren't super comfortable with their personality, like their identity, then they won't personally like go out of their way to check out these shows. A lot of times they're exposed to these shows is when they're out at a club night and then drag is happening and they're already like a little more loose inhibitions from like drinking with their friends and stuff like that. How did you start to grow? As soon as you started your drag house, how did you feel this? You changed inside your, how do I phrase that? As soon as you started the house of rice, the house of rice, drag, oh my gosh. As soon as you started the house of rice, how did you start to change as a person? I've definitely like grown in terms of like my passion for like the fight and my like passion to like make sure that my kids are like excited to be like in the public eye and excited to be like these like beacons of inspiration. Like I have like these drag twins, Vlak and Nikita, who are from mainland China and they had never seen drag outside of RuPaul's Drag Race before they saw me perform live. They were kind of the reasons the house started because I had my daughter made in China already, but it was just like me and her mother-daughter duo. But Nikita and Vlak just saw me perform, fell in love, loved that I was an Asian drag queen and just kept calling me mom for like half a year (laughs) and like started practicing makeup and then told me that they wanted to be introduced during Pride and wanted to just like walk the streets of like Davie Village and like during Pride and just like be in drag and just be happy. And for me, like seeing them getting into drag and experiencing this for the first time and experiencing real happiness, this authentic like happiness that they had really just like filled my heart and like that was enough for me like I I was like just happy with that what would you say to other people trying to also create drag houses around the country um I would say my number one thing would be to like actually get to know your family and spend time with them I feel like a lot of drag parents um it's a lot of a common thing is like it's one the first person to put you in makeup is your drag mom or something or like the first person to book you a gig is like your drag mom or something and uh, I think a lot of times it's like that's the extent of it and it's just like oh yeah she's my drag mom 
but like they are friends at the club. They're friends like during the lineup of performances that are at during the show or something like that. But like, I don't see a lot of like duets or like family group numbers or like things like that. And like, for me, it's like, I, like we, as a family, we've like had dim sum together and like, we will try and like hang out and we'll see each other and actually like be, have family time. <laughs> um, so I, like, I think that's what's created, like what's helped build such a good connection. So my last question is, how do you navigate that entering a predominantly queer space, knowing that there's lacking representation of Asian queer people specifically? Like with like with Asian culture, it's like it's queer is a lot of times like either denied or ignored or suppressed. Um, So we all have shared experiences of like learning to love ourselves and learning to be confident with ourselves. Um, And I think for us, a lot of the times like with our drag, we incorporate our Asian culture to try and like one to showcase it to the audience and the um yeah to the audience um but then for ourselves as well to kind of like learn to um to mesh them together because that is our like those are our intersectionality uh, our intersections of our identities um and by incorporating our culture into our queer art which is our drag um the like the more we do it the more we're also opening ourselves up to that 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 amalgamation of our identity like where the more we are incorporating our culture into our drag for different performances or for shows and stuff like the more we're also like understanding ourselves more if you know if that makes sense (laughs) yeah that does and i think that's a beautiful point to i guess sort of sum this all up together and talking about all the intersections and the work that you're doing and why that is valuable and why we need to see more queer people of color in this space, why we need to build spaces for other people like us that ultimately you might've been the first queer Asian drag house in Vancouver, but you don't have to be the last. And starting this up is essentially opening that door for many other houses to come in behind you and queer of all races, but specifically Asian, as we have been saying, that there's a distinct lack of that representation. And I just think that's so important. And so we are going to take a break, hot girls, and I will see y'all in a little bit. We are going to do five tips with Shay Dior, and I will see y'all soon. We are back from the break. I am still here with Shay Dior, and she is going to give us five tips on leadership and ways you can pass the torch on. So the first tip is treat everything as an experience and tell us why that is important for number one. Treat When you treat something as an experience, you're um, looking at it at a very positive light and you're looking at it in a, as something that you're gaining. Avoid looking at it as like something's a waste of time or something is like, like you regret doing something. Everything you do will have an impact on your life and whether it's negative or positive, it's still an experience and it's something that you can learn from or you can pass on. Um, like you should just go explore, try something new, do something that scares you a little bit, make mistakes. Just don't be afraid to live because that's, I feel like that's when you learn the most about yourself. 
Absolutely. And people who sort of approach it that way, I feel like they and me sometimes are acting as if life is a, like life is running out or that time is running out. You always have time to turn around and do something different and explore and learn and grow and change and become a whole different person later on. And so nothing is a waste of time. Sometimes we have to try something to know that we don't like it. We have to try something yeah. to know when to move on. And when you know better, you do better. And sometimes we need those yeah. times to know better and learn better. <laughs> exactly. I feel like a lot of people also feel like there's like this certain way that like things are supposed to happen or whatever, but, and then they keep to that way, but it's like, you can totally stray from that path or whatever and experience a completely different life and something that's way better than you ever thought or something that you would prefer, regardless if it's negative or positive, it's like something that you can take in and then from there, do what you will with it. Yeah. But at least you did it. Yeah. And we're ultimately... The destination is all about you. It's all about your heart and your determination. We might take detours sometimes, but you can still end up in the same spot where had you done everything perfect or had you done everything wrong, you still would have figured it out to get to where you want to be because it's all about how much do you want it? How are you trying to learn and grow and even take people with you? And so number two is keep an open mind. And tell us more about why that is also important on this journey of leadership and growth. Every time you're like meeting someone or like you are talking to someone, like everyone has a different experience, a different history growing up. So if you're keeping an open mind, you're able to kind of like understand where someone's coming from or at least like be willing to hear where someone's coming from. Someone could be having a bad day. Someone could normally be like nicest person but like something a pet died or like that one moment that you interacted with them it could have been the worst i think just keeping an open mind not judging people right off the bat or not judging people at all i like that and with keeping an open mind we are allowing ourselves to grow and allowing ourselves to change and if we are going to give ourselves that grace, then we have to give that grace to other people too that we come across. And obviously, you know, forgive, but don't forget. And don't put yourself with people you know are going to hurt you. But also, it's okay if someone has hurt you and you want to give them another chance. Or if you've met someone that you are apprehensive about and keeping an open mind allows you to expose yourself to new things, to new people that might scare you, exactly. but ultimately are all helping you change and become a better person. The concept of existing isn't really a thing. It's the concept of becoming because ev like every second of every day, we're all, our bodies are changing, our minds are changing. We're all going through all these different processes um, and we're all just becoming. That like because we're all beautiful. growing. <laughs> That's beautiful. I I need to write that down. Like I'm not existing. <laughs> I'm becoming. I'm choosing. And if y'all have seen Pariah, which is a film, and it is a short film, short film. It's a long film, an indie film, and <laughs> it's <laughs> one of my favorite movies. But one of the things that he says at the end is, "I am not running. I'm choosing." And it's choosing to become better. It's choosing to find something that you love more and grow and all these different ways that we can improve our life and just evolve that we're not staying the same. And that leads us to number three, which is making connections, which is a huge impact on trying to 
become a different person or or leave positive impact on people? Just hearing other people's experiences or other people's um, thought processes, even other people's mentalities, um, it can kind of help you formulate a better optic of like how you want to lead your life or how you want to think. Um, I mean, like if you're influenced by one person and one person alone, like you're only going to become like there's only one option to go. But if you're getting like information or like experiences from so many different people, like you kind of, it kind of like allows you to find your own best path. Um, and I think just the more connections you have, the more, the more you learn, the more um, resources you have to decide for yourself what you want. When it comes to evolving and becoming, going back to what you were saying is that we're always becoming we are always evolving and it is very likely that when making connections you'll meet other people who are evolving at the same speed or at this point 2021 y'all have evolved to be very compatible people and that's something beautiful maybe 2022 you won't be compatible anymore but making those connections allows you to have that short experience going back to number one treat everything experience. as an experience yeah. <laughs> have, <That's what> I- <laughs> yeah you're not wasting time making connections with people even if those connections don't turn out to be long term it's still an experience it's still a moment for growth and it's still always ultimately going to have a positive impact on you in the long run it was something that like gave you so much happiness at a certain point, like keep that as an experience. Don't just toss it away. Yeah. Just because it doesn't make you happy anymore. If it made you happy at one point, that's valuable. And we can look back on those moments and cherish them even just in that box, just in that little moment that that one moment made you so happy. That person or that experience made you so happy. And Things might have happened to change that don't bring you those feelings anymore, but we can still love and appreciate the positive moments while growing from the positive and the negative moments. And talking about negative moments, we were saying for number four is don't make the same mistakes that others made with you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like everything just literally just like tied into each other. <laughs> um exactly like it's important to also not forget your history and like forget these experiences like don't toss them away like I said just because like if they're positive experiences you can share them and bring them to other people and like provide similar experiences to other people and if they're negative you can use those as like a a lesson um to yourself or to others to prevent these like mistakes from happening um I'm like, but does that mean it's avoiding the experience? (laughs) (laughs) I, I I think recognizing that other people have done things to hurt you or give acknowledging where our traumas come from or acknowledging where people have made mistakes and being able to learn and grow from those experiences allows us to prevent others from going through those things. It's like, yes. Mm Treat everything as an experience. And if you happen to come across a negative experience, then grow from it. But obviously don't try and put yourself into a negative experience Mm. on purpose and don't (laughs) inflict those on other people. So it does all sort of tie together. Intentionally hurt anyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And (laughs) 
recognizing even when it comes to parents, my parents weren't perfect and they taught me things that were negative or were problematic. Sorry, my dog. Will you chill? Sit down. <laughs> He's just sitting there playing with a blanket. Um, what was I saying? Okay. Um, my parents weren't perfect. And so I was able to grow and figure out, hey, you know, things that they did to me or said to me or things that I experienced with them weren't positive things and weren't necessarily contributing to positive growth in me. And overcoming that, challenging it, and not making a cycle of harm or trauma in your life. We don't have these generational problems. Yeah. Yeah. And so what is number five? <laughs> um, number five is something that I always like to live by is to prioritize your own happiness. Um, obviously, don't like prioritize your own happiness and hurt other people in the process. Like, I mean, prioritize your own happiness as making sure that you um, are focusing on yourself and like your growth and your like what you want in life, because in the end you are your only ride or die. You are the only one that will be with you till the end. Um, so make sure that like you can trust yourself and you believe in yourself and you love yourself. Um, and everyone else will support you in that sense. Um, but if you're always focusing on trying to please everyone and make someone else happy, then you're just letting yourself down. Exactly. And we're always attracted to happy people. If you are letting yourself down or wallowing in sadness, no one wants to hang out with you. Why would anyone want to be around that? Like, prioritize your own happiness. Don't give away your happiness to make someone else whole. Don't break your heart exactly. into pieces to fix someone else. Prioritize exactly. your happiness so that when you are whole and you are loved, you don't try to seek that in other people. Once you know what you have, you can build upon it and use other friendships and experiences as a way to elaborate upon your own happiness, but you don't need it to sustain or to fulfill your happiness because you can find that own strength in yourself. Yeah. I think like if by prioritizing your happiness, you also find the most like authentic relations and connections with other people who are also focused on their own happiness and are not focused on impressing someone else. Or Yeah. And so Shay, where can people find you online or plug with you, connect with you? Um, my Instagram is uh, that Shay Dior. Uh, Facebook as well. Um, I also have an Instagram for House of Rice, which is House of Rice Official. Um, and keep an eye out, actually, because I feel like all these tips that we were just talking about, like about becoming and evolving, is really tied into this project I'm working on with um, this Headmaster magazine out of Rhode Island. Um, so the House of Rice, we're doing a little like queer zodiac. Um, and I am the goddess of impermanence. <laughs> um, so it's all about, yeah, evolving and like embracing the change that comes with you and comes to like comes in your way um, instead of running away from it. And yeah. 
The Hawko Hour is hosted, edited, and produced by yours truly, Ebony Ellinger. The music was made by Amani, and you can follow the show on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at The Hawko Hour Podcast. And you can follow me at Hey Ebony. That is just Hey, H-E-Y, and then Ebony, E-B-O-N-I. And don't forget, y'all, please, 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 Hawk Girls, don't forget to leave a five-star review. It would mean the world to me. Stay bold, stay beautiful, stay hot, whatever. And I will see y'all soon. <laughs>